I'm RJ Bell with the sports betting headlines for Friday. A lot of athletes getting rich. Josh Allen leads the way. He was signed early and for big money. What does that mean for the Bills in the near term? Kawhi Leonard re-ups. You might think that's not much of a story. Vegas thinks it is. The Clippers were 20 to 1 to win the title. Now they're 16 to 1. This is good for the Clippers. USA basketball against France, gold medal game. USA favored by 12 and a half. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it, I'm R.J. live in Las Vegas, live on a big Friday. A lot of money changing hands, including a little A.J. Hoffman money coming my way. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. We're on 225 stations across this great, great nation. We're the pros. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got players getting rich all over the world of sports, including the NBA and the NFL. And we also have a recap of a preseason football game. What is the Vegas lead here on this Friday? Josh Allen, and we should say A.J. Hoffman had out his green eye. Listen, math is not his friend. He had his green eye shades out. He was squinting. He's done some calculations. We've got some numbers that really speak to, did the Bills do the right thing? Yeah, that's right. It was the big news in the NFL. Earlier today, it was announced that the Buffalo Bills and quarterback Josh Allen agreed to a six-year contract extension worth $258 million, $150 million guaranteed, but $100 million due at signing, which is the most guaranteed money at the time of signing in NFL history. Think about it. On billions, they talk about a billion as a billy. So a quarter of a billy is what we're talking about now for quarterbacks. And I think there's two big takeaways. One, this was done early, and it was done for big money. Josh Allen signed early. Josh Allen signed for big money. Now, why early? Well, this was as soon as they could sign him. It was after the third year. They had two more years of control before you even thought about the franchise tag. And you got two years of that. So in truth, they could have had Josh Allen against his will four more years. But they're paying him now. Okay. Is that good or bad? Well, what we know is the NFL likes to pay early. It's not like the mob. They, they're paying on installment plans. But here, as Tony Soprano would joke, but here, let's look at the rundown. Jonas and I were cutting our teeth together, Zeke Elliott, in Cabo after three years saying, I'm not coming until I get paid. I think they regret that one. I think Dallas regrets that one. Carson Wentz got paid after three years. I know the Eagles regretted that. Jared Goff. 
so much regret they had to put a first round draft pick around his neck like a crumb cake with the kid you're sending across the street and the parents don't want to deal with them, but he brings a cake over. So they say, all right, Johnny, come on in. That's how it was with Jared Goff going to the Lions. Todd Gurley, even with a, a chronically bad knee. Now, why does the NFL want to do this? I think it's this, this perception that if you're considered to be team-friendly, it's going to help everyone concerned, and the players will want to sign with you. I don't know about that. I think players want to win. I can't imagine sitting on a team and they're saying, yeah, we have no chance to win the Super Bowl, but you know, the guy that was injured, they paid him some big money, and I'm happy about that. No, everyone wants their money, but they don't care. They just want good players otherwise. But, A.J., you've made the point. Of all the players, all the players, maybe Josh Allen was the one that another year would have done them good. Now, why do I think early is bad? Because you don't get a chance to find out what you're going to find out in the intervening years. If we would have seen Zeke after Cabo looking slower, maybe all of a sudden we would have said, hey, maybe a little less money. right? So, Josh Allen, A.J., you believe they should have waited on more so than even an average quarterback. Yeah, and the one guy that I'd put in that conversation with him is Baker Mayfield. And if Baker Mayfield gets the same kind of money Josh Allen does, I think they've made a big mistake without about not waiting. But, but, but let's get back maybe to Josh Allen. Okay, to, but Josh is a guy. This isn't a Zeke Elliott case where he's in Cabo saying, "Hey, if you don't pay me, I'm not coming." Josh Allen has already been on record as saying, "I want to be a Buffalo Bill for life." I want to be here. So you think it's because he showed loyalty they shouldn't pay him. I thought it was more about the one year. I, I'm confused. I'm saying there's no need to panic here. Uh-huh. Uh, and when you've but only why, had why one would time, great year. Why would time benefit them more? Meaning, why would the Bills want more time to check out Josh Allen? Because Josh Allen's been great for one season. I agree. Three. I agree. I agree. If Josh Allen had been great two out of three, maybe you say, okay, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, I think the way to say it is, and I agree with you, the uncertainty level of Josh Allen being this good is high because he's got one year showing you he's good. So, I mean, whatever analogy we want to say, there's a guy you work with, he always is on time. I'll give you Jonas a good example. Jonas doesn't get sick. He's not a guy that's always got the flu, always got the – this was the key, how sick you are or not. I would say I've got three years. I know that Jonas is rock solid when it comes to showing up to work. But if he was only here a year, I'd say I think he's solid, but I'm not so sure yet. They, Josh Allen's been there three years. He's played well one. I mean, it was borderline lose his job entering last year. I believe the analogy is Daniel Jones. Now, you thought, you know, Daniel Jones wasn't near what Josh Allen was after two years. We looked at the numbers. Actually, Daniel Jones has played better than Josh Allen after two years. You'd agree with that, right? I I mean, QBR certainly agrees with that. The the team's success is what was kind of boosting Josh Allen. What you mean, had you incorrectly assessing? Yes. Okay. But the truth being, Josh Allen played less well, less well than Mr. Daniel Jones now, do we think of Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback? No. But Josh Allen had one additional year now, year three, last year, and he was great. He was in the top four. It wasn't even close. He wasn't, like, good. He was great. Is that the truth, or is everything before it the truth? Boy, it would have been nice for the Bills to have an extra year. Now, you might say, RJ, maybe they got a discount. 
If the bill's got a discount for the uncertainty, that's good business, right? Okay, maybe. But you heard Jonas. The most guaranteed money ever for a quarterback, $150 million. The most paid at signing, as Jonas said, for a quarterback. So he's getting the most money now, the most money guaranteed. If you look at the year over year, you might say, well, you know, actually Mahomes is better. He's at $45 million and Josh Allen's only 43. Yeah, but Josh Allen's deal is only six years. Mahomes is 10. So what did we do? We looked at the first six years of Mahomes. Apples to apples, the average yearly, 36 million. So Mahomes in the next six years is making 36 per year, 43 per year for Josh Allen. So any way you cut it, guaranteed at signing, guaranteed over the life of the contract, year over year, this is the richest contract in the history of the NFL. How could that be a discount? And thus, if you're not getting a discount, why enter into such a big franchise-changing agreement with only one year of data that really matters when you could have had at least double that data with one more year? I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, you had an interesting point. Of the rookies drafted at the time with Allen, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, two high-quality quarterbacks. We can debate how high-quality for you, that really opens the door to what kind of money they're going to get. Yeah, and I think I think Buffalo is the smartest of the bunch here because they realize salary cap's going to go up. These contracts are only going up. We can argue about who deserves what, but there was a lot of argument about Dak Prescott. He doesn't deserve more than this quarterback, and yet he ended up shattering whatever any other quarterback's deal was at the time, year over year, uh, guarantees, et cetera, et cetera. I think Buffalo looked at this and said, why wait? If we think that this is our guy and he's gotten better every single year, and I agree with you, he's had one year of being an elite quarterback, but we've seen steady improvement every single year he's been in the league. Buffalo looked at it and said, why are we going to wait around to try and top whatever Baltimore and Cleveland may do with their quarterbacks? Let's get it done now. Don't make the mistake Dallas did, in which Dallas waited a little bit too long. They're even on record as saying they maybe waited a little bit too long. And I think Buffalo got this done early, and and I think it was a smart move. I agree with some of what Jonas is saying. First off, I agree. If you know you're going to sign him, sign him sooner. The theory is Dallas was never willing to really walk away from Dak. Right. And thus, waiting had no... If you had the guts to actually say, we want to see more data, and if the data doesn't come the way we want it to, we're going to say goodbye, then waiting has its advantages. If we know for a fact that the Bills were going to retain him, resign him regardless, earlier is cheaper. I don't know if after one year of elite play, if you can know that. But another point implicit, I think, in what Jonas said was the Bills know him better than anyone. Same coaching staff during that time. If they're looking at him saying, yeah, we only got one year on the field, but we've got the practices and other things, and we know him best and we think he is this, it makes more sense. It does. But, boy, that one more year, it would have given a lot more information, a lot more information. If – If you were in an auction, I'm going to go around the horn on this one. Start with Jonas. If you were in an auction, would you bid more as a GM for Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, or Baker Mayfield? I think Baker's the third here for most people. I'll throw him in there. But let's just say Lamar or Josh Allen. Who do you prefer to be your quarterback, Jonas? Uh, Josh Allen. 
And it's not even, even though he's got one good year. Yeah, got one good year. I just trust his ability. Uh, Lamar Jackson's playing ability relies on his feet. And I don't know how long we haven't seen a mobile quarterback age as gracefully as, as some of these other pocket passers. I think Josh Allen's got the ability to grow old in the league and still have success. And the question is, if he can't pass, he's not getting any better at it. Between year two and three, Josh, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson's passing got significantly worse year over year so if you can't pass and you're not getting better at it could the case be made Lamar Jackson's like the 25th best quarterback if you're trying to win a Super Bowl because when you're behind and you're going to be behind if you win a Super Bowl at some point you got to be able to throw if you got to throw is Lamar Jackson even in the top 20 same question to you Lamar or Josh Allen it's Josh Allen for me I agree but boy there's uncertainty I'm not sure I wouldn't rather Baker over Lamar myself. All right, we're going to take our first break, but this is such a big story because it's not just the Bills, it's about the NFL. All right, how do you win in the NFL? We've got some data that says the Bills better win this year or they're not going to win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree with intervention. I disagree with protocol. If you speak I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at the impact of the Josh Allen contract extension. Is there an amount if you pay a quarterback, you can't win with that quarterback? And if there is, Josh Allen is above that number. It's pretty interesting. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. Why? You spreading the word. Keep spreading it. We'll keep delivering entertaining, thought provoking, flummoxing shows. You can listen by podcast, even if you miss it live. Now, you don't get. The late breaking info, you know, it's going to be stale sometimes, but there's a lot of stuff that isn't. So listen live, but if you miss it, podcast, just search for Straight Out of Vegas on your favorite podcast player. Here in Vegas on the Strip, 106 degrees. The neon is chugging. So, RJ, the big story in the NFL is the contract extension for Bills quarterback Josh Allen. He gets a six-year extension worth $258 million, over $100 million guaranteed. And it now brings up the question, what does this do to the Bills' Super Bowl chances moving forward? This year... It's great because he's on his fourth year of the rookie deal, and this does not change that in any way. And thus, he's a small percentage of the cap relative to what he's going to be, and that means opportunity. But what we've seen in the NFL is this. You either are on a first contract, a rookie first contract, which means you're cheap, or you're the best there's ever been and the best there ever was and ever will be. Who is meets that <laughs> criteria? Well, Tom Brady and probably Peyton Manning, and that's it. Big Ben doesn't. Aaron Rodgers doesn't. Let's call these are the two, Manning and Brady, that when the history books are written, are brought, you know, Brady's in the first page and Peyton Manning's in the first chapter. All right. So, AJ, you did a little calculations. You had, you had physics abacus out, I think, and you were just d- calculating away. 
And what was our conclusions about where the lines are to how much you can pay a quarterback and still win? Well, two times in the last since 2012 has a quarterback. Right, so from 2012 on, has a quarterback been in the top ten? Wow, of so, salary cap uh, of quarterback, quarterback salary cap. So there's 32 starters. Yep. You say in the top ten, you would think that's where all the great quarterbacks are going to be, right? That only two times since 2012 has a quarterback that won the Super Bowl even been in the top ten. They've been outside the top ten eight out of ten times. And the two times they've been in the top ten of the highest paid quarterbacks have been? Who were those quarterbacks? Tom Brady, this last year with Tampa, was fifth. Okay. And 2015, Peyton Manning, sixth. So never have they been in the top four. Never. In since 2012. And the two that's in the top ten are both in the all-time first ballot Hall of Fame category. So who meets that criteria now? I mean, I say Mahomes, though it's early in his career, you gotta say that's an all-timer. Mahomes is an all-time. Is there anyone else? I think Aaron Rodgers is debatable. Before last year, I would have never said that. Last year was a monster year. So let's even maybe say that. Okay, then though, who's left in the top 10? We're pretty much saying, forget it. Russell Wilson, number one, most highest paid. Kirk Cousins, number two, forget about it. Matt Ryan, number four. Aaron Rodgers, number three. Jimmy G, forget about it. Big Ben, you're old, forget about it. Dak, Dakota Prescott, forget it. Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, no one even thought that. And Matthew Stafford. History says those teams don't have a first ballot Hall of Famer, all-timer, first chapter of the book, and they're in the top 10. You can't, at least history says, you can't win that way in the NFL anymore. And when you look at Josh Allen, we don't know how the contract is structured, meaning first year might be cheap, second year is, who knows? They, they haven't re- released that yet. But over the course of this contract, Josh Allen will likely be in the top 10 the entire time. And unless he becomes an all-timer, and again, that's a high bar, very unlikely. History says the Bills will have made a decision that's going to prevent them from winning a Super Bowl. Why does it matter? Because it's a hard cap league. Every dollar you spend on one guy is another dollar you don't have to spend on another. And all the Tom Brady talk about, oh, he's taking, you know what he's making this year? $25 million. The fact he's making $25 million and not $35 million or $43 million, which is what Josh Allen soon is going to be making, that difference, that $18 million or whatever, all goes to other players. You get that stud linebacker, that stud left tackle. It makes a huge difference. I think what we've seen over the last few years with the Seattle Seahawks since Russell Wilson got paid, you see all the guys that they had signed, the Earl Thomases, the Richard Shermans, the Marshawn Lynches, mm-hmm. when it all came time for them to get paid again, they fell up, they fell off. And then it was Russell with a much, much less talented crew around him. And Seahawks had such a great deal with Russ because he wasn't even a first-round pick, so he was super cheap. And they were able to build a monster franchise around him. When he got paid, it got a lot harder to pay those guys to stay around. Thin them out. And the theory is that you get better year four, five, six, seven, eight, nine even. So if these quarterbacks step up their game, they can compensate 
for the fact that there's less money to go around. But if they don't, and you look at Russell Wilson, the second half of last year might have been his worst half of the year ever. If you're not getting better and you're taking all the money and you're complaining about your linemen and you got less line, lesser linemen because you took all the money, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense. We are straight out of Vegas. Jonas, if you were the GM, could you imagine looking at a Josh Allen and saying, yeah, he's probably one of the top seven or eight quarterbacks? Last year, he had a top four year, but we're going to let him go because we'd rather take a shot at a rookie understanding if we hit, we can win, but it's hard to win with a high-paid quarterback. Yeah, and I think that's the problem that organizations find themselves in. There's such this fear of loss. You you don't want to walk away from a franchise quarterback because you you understand it's the most important position on the field. If you find one, you want to do everything you possibly can to hold on to it, which is why we only have one example of a team walking away from a starting quarterback in his prime, and that was Washington with Kirk Cousins. And, they, and in they, hindsight, was that a good decision? I think pro- yes. I, I mean, I, I don't know what Washington's done since then. I mean, it was good for Kirk Cousins. I mean, it worked out great for him because he's gotten paid. How but, many Super Bowls does he have? Exactly. That's and, and so teams find themselves in this spot to where all the data that you guys point out says – if you start paying your quarterback franchise money, you're probably not going to win the Super Bowl. Yet you also find yourself in this position where you don't want to lose that franchise quarterback because you know what it's like to have not have one. So it, they're almost in this tough spot, damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. I think you, you are touching on a great point. If you want to make the playoffs but be a long shot to win the Super Bowl, you keep the, the quote-unquote franchise guy. Because you're right, Washington's missed the playoffs multiple all these times. Yeah. They've been worse. Kirk Cousins is much, much better than who's been quarterback for Washington since he left. But there's a chance that Washington could have drafted a rookie. It would have worked out in a way. If Haskins would have worked out, that's the recipe to win a Super Bowl. Yep. So you got to ask yourself, do you want to only go, you know, like the Giants, they only went to the playoffs twice in 10 years. They won two Super Bowls. Would you rather that or would you rather make the playoffs like Seattle every year? But ever since Russell got paid, it doesn't even feel like they're sniffing the Super Bowl. Well, think about where Buffalo was from 1980 to 2000. One of the best franchises in the AFC, certainly always in the playoffs, always making deep runs. From 2000 on, they've har- they've hardly made the playoffs. They went through a stretch, the longest mm-hmm. stretch in NFL history of not making the playoffs. They've got a guy that says, well, this guy can get us to the playoffs yeah. consistently. we got to keep this. I agree. And, I mean, I blame Jim Kelly's salary for the four Super Bowl <laughs> losses. But still, still, we are straight out of Vegas. This is one of those stay tuned because we do have Lamar Jackson and that decision, which I think is even more complicated. And we got Baker Mayfield. And I got to tell you, we looked at Sando's list, and on that list, so this is the fellow from The Athletic, formerly ESPN, that for eight years now, he's made his list of quarterbacks. And it's not his list, actually. He polls 50 NFL professionals, scouts, GMs. It's all private. And if you look at Baker Mayfield, he is 17th. Now, that means Baker Mayfield is worse than the current version of Big Ben, He's worse than Derek Carr. He's worse than Tannehill. He's which man, we can debate that. Worse than Kyler Murray, which I find absurd. And Joe Burrow is ahead of Baker. 
that is about as much disrespect from the NFL insiders as I could imagine. Jonas, when I went through that list, and one more time, these are quarterbacks that are said to be better than Baker Mayfield. Big Ben, Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, Kyler Murray. Are you like, yeah, I agree, or does that seem absurd to you? Um, there's a couple that are a little questionable. I, I'm not sold on Kyler Murray yet. I, Me I, either. I yeah. I, How I just, could you be? Exactly. He's like, you, five foot nine. Yeah, and, and and look, we stood next to him at the Super Bowl. That's you remember what I'm that? Yeah, <laughs> but I felt tall. <laughs> I, I just, I just, it's hard for me to justify that Kyler Murray's been a smashing success when, in two consecutive weeks last year, they missed out on a playoff spot to backup quarterbacks. He got beat by backup quarterbacks, and so that that's the one that I look at and go, eh, I'm not, I'm not quite sure about it. Derek Carr, there's still a debate about Derek Carr. I think he's better than a lot of people give him credit. I agree, for. but he's he's not clearly better than no, Baker Mayfield. No, no, not, not even close. In fact, I would put them in sort of the same tier as, you know, ironically enough, a Kirk Cousins type to where there's this bunching of quarterbacks that are good quarterbacks, just not anywhere near the top 10 in my mind. Joe Burrow played, was it seven games? Yeah. Or nine? Nine. Something like nine that. games, right, half a season, and his QBR was 24? 24th. Okay. So half a season, you're 24th in the best quarterback rating there is, single number, and oh, by the way, you had a catastrophic knee injury, but somehow you're better than Baker Mayfield. That is crazy. The narrative, I don't want to blame Colin Cowherd right here at FSR, but the narrative, people didn't like all those commercials Baker was in. I'll tell you that much. We are straight out of Vegas. Let's shift gears, Jonas, and let's look at the NBA. There was a number of signings, Kawhi and others, uh, Durant. Let's start. Let's get into that. Yeah, Kevin Durant signed a four-year extension with the Brooklyn Nets. He is going to be staying in Brooklyn. Uh, he was uh, eligible to sign this contract uh, over the next couple of days but Durant is back with the Nets a four-year extension uh, he'll be staying in New, in New York City one of the things we do is we tell you what the Vegas odds say what does Vegas say and with the signing of Durant it was kind of expected I will say this LeBron has taught the rest of the NBA that the way you keep your power is keep your freedom because if you sign up for four years and you don't like it, well, what are you going to do about it? But if you can leave after every year, player option, player option, player option, you got power perpetually, perpetual power. Kawhi has shown that. He made them trade the Clippers, Paul George, give up all that. And then he said, yeah, I'll make you a two-year commitment. He could have left. And you know what? The betting market actually believed that that was a distinct possibility. The odds yesterday on the Clippers to win the title. Now, let's keep in mind, Kawhi out for most, if not all, the regular season. Expected back for the playoffs. We'll see. So, just next year odds were 20 to 1 yesterday, Clippers to win the title. They're now 16 to 1. That is a significant adjustment off of one piece of news. Kawhi's going to be with the Clippers next year, even though he's hurt. The market thought it was very distinctly possible he wouldn't be. What do you think of these deals? Anything jump out at you? I think the Kawhi thing is a big deal because I, I do think there was real uncertainty about where Kawhi was going to end up. And the, and the Clippers right now are looked at as a con they were already looked at as a contender. I think this makes them one of the, the top contenders again. 
Though the question is, can they make the playoffs without Kawhi? Because once you get in, being seven or whatever, you know, Lakers lost, but it wasn't because they were the seventh seed. There, there is that element of can they even get there? But if they're there, likely Kawhi's back. Now, I was going to ask you, do you, are you surprised that the line moved based on what you just said? He's probably not going to be there for all of the regular season. That's what I've heard, that he's going to be out a long time. So if you're just expecting this guy is going to be inserted into a starting lineup in the postseason after all these guys have played together for months and months and months, like why yeah. would the odds have gotten better for the Clippers at that point? I think there's two reasons. One, and and I, I think your skepticism is warranted. But I'd say two reasons. One, he's playing with the same team. So the theory is that whatever integration it would take, it will happen fairly quickly. But number two, they also signed Reggie Jackson yeah. or re-signed him. So you could make the case maybe a chunk of that move from 20 to 1 to win the title for the Clippers to 16 to 1 was about Reggie Jackson. Because if there's any year he's going to be vital, it's this next year when he's really playing Kwai's, you know, he's taking that scoring responsibility in theory, like he did in the playoffs once Kwai got hurt. That team was pretty competitive. Right, So I think because Reggie Jackson is going to be even more vital next year without quieting the regular season, combined that's a big signing. And maybe Reggie Jackson has more importance to that than we would think at first blush. Though finally, I'll make this point to you. Reggie Jackson advanced analytics in the playoffs in isolation. And the NBA ultimately either they're scoring fairly quickly because of great passing, assists, Chris Paul type stuff, or six seconds left, the scorer's got the ball by himself, he's got to go score. The Nets have three great isolation players. We've never seen that before. And that's why they had the best offense in the history of the NBA. Reggie Jackson in isolation is a top 10 player based on the analytics. And there's been a renaissance of Reggie Jackson love in the analytics community. So another reason this was a good combo signing, at least perceived to be, for the Clippers. We'll talk a little more NBA, but it's Team USA gold medal game. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. PM Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Straight out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. So, Jonas, uh, that Nandrol, how did how how did you react to that? Um, I think that the contaminated substance argument is a legitimate argument. AJ probably knows this. We've seen a lot of MMA fighters who have been suspended, and it turns out that the substances are contaminated. They're they're mixed together in a vat in a, in but a lab. You're somewhere. saying by contaminated, you mean someone put a needle in his butt with it? I mean, no, like, what are we, I, I mean, you, yeah, I don't you, know. But, so, so all joking aside, you believe that. I believe that the contaminated wow. substance argument is a legitimate argument in a lot of cases, and it's been proven that, that in a lot that's of cases. I mean, yeah. the, I, you don't say, you don't just shoot from the hip, so I'm like taken aback. Do you agree with him? I, I, when, I'd have to see the amounts, but the way they're saying it's just trace amounts, typically that's the way it works. Is like, wow. Yeah. I would have thought that's the biggest crock. Ever. Like, that's, like, that's my cousin. That's my young cousin who, you know, who happens to be a girl, and we don't have the same last name. Name. It sounded like that argument. And and what they've I, I discovered in doing research on this with some MMA fighters is that they've bought a substance. It's been cleared, but the place in which it was mixed because it wasn't uh. at the actual lab was dirty with some other substance. And and upon research, they find out it wasn't intentional. There was just a dirty vat that they mixed it in. Therefore, it got in inside the uh, supplement that they took. That's why I stick with GNC. <laughs> game is the f-ing game, period. All right. 
Last break. When we come back, we got how many? Are we going to do two UFC best bets? I gave two on the podcast. You want both here, too? Yes. All right. Two best bets, and we got the Team USA. I've got a best bet on that. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted, and it's money-making time right here on Fox Sports Radio. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And R.J., we had our first game of the NFL season last night in Canton, Ohio. It was the Hall of Fame game. And the most important part of that game, everybody knows, is the first half. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear this, Jonas? That's my $100 bill (laughs) that A.J. gave me. Somehow, A.J.'s opinion was he liked the Steelers. Now, that sounds pretty smart. Pretty smart. But somehow he found a way to lose it. How you feeling right now, AJ? Not good. Because you had a best bet. I did. And then I said, you know, I was listening objectively. That's what I do. Because I'm a stand-in for the audience. I think about the audience. I am responsible for their pocketbooks, at least their bankrolls. And if I hear a pick that's bad, I, you could say, hey, don't go against AJ. I'm saying if I didn't go against AJ, I'd be going against the audience their own welfare. So I said, I don't like that bet. AJ got mad. He snarled. He says, why don't you press the green button? And a second later, how you feeling? I feel pretty terrible given that the, after the first half, they dominated. Because I identified the flaw in your handicap. You did, but really, my part of my handicap was the quarterback play for the Steelers is so much whoa, whoa, better. Whoa, whoa. Let's not hear about after-the-fact losses. All right. You uh, bet the hard eight for a thousand and you pressed it for two. Did I hit it? Nah, you didn't hit it. But it was a big balls bet. You had guts betting against me. So. Just didn't work out. But he's coming with another two in the UFC. And I'll tell you this. I'm either going to agree or pass because he knows the UFC. Jonas, once he gives the picks, I want your opinion on the same ones, too. All right. So it's UFC 265 coming up Saturday night. RJ in Houston, Texas. And right now we've got a couple of best bets from the UFC expert, AJ Hoffman. Yeah. Draco Rodriguez on the undercard, minus 120 against Vince Morales. Morales, a solid technical striker. No power behind his hands or his kicks. Uh, his, la- his last fight out, he got his legs kicked out from him. The fight was actually stopped due to leg kicks. Draco Rodriguez, a lot of leg kicks, heavy leg kicks, heavy hands. Morales doesn't have the tools to stop Rodriguez, and Rodriguez can finish him in a lot of different ways. Uh, he was a big prospect coming in. I think we get a big performance from Draco Rodriguez, minus 120 against Vince Morales. What do you think of that one? Josh? I mean, I'll take his word for it. I- I'm, not f- I'm not caught up to speed on, on those two guys on the undercard. No big ones. Okay, we got uh Second one in the main event. Yeah, and it is uh, Cyril Gain and Derek Lewis. This is for the interim heavyweight championship. Yeah, Derek Lewis plus 275. Cyril Gain, the more complete fighter, certainly. That's the case in almost all of Derek Lewis's fights. He's an underdog in most fights, yet he keeps on winning because he has insane knockout power deep into fights. He can take a beating and still hit that button when the time comes. I think we're looking at a, a plus 275 here on Derek Stills. And that was 3-1 to one yesterday. 3-1 to one yesterday. It's plus 275 now. Uh, but there's real value. Volkov, uh, Alexander Volkov, whom Lewis 
KO'd violently, was plus 180 to gone just a month ago. And now a guy that Derek uh, that Derek beat that guy, now he's plus 275. I think there's great value on Derek Lewis tomorrow. Jonas, you know the UFC very well. Now, Stephen A. got into trouble talking about, hey, if Shotani didn't need an interpreter, it'd be easier for him to do interviews and all that stuff. Do you feel like that in the UFC having so many non-American fighters that are uh, elite, do you think that hinders the, the growth of the sport? Yeah, but the UFC's always had the ability to find the next big star. You know, it was Liddell, then it was Anderson Silva, then it was Ronda Rousey, then it was McGregor, and now they're they're figuring out some of their next stars. I, I do like the pick here, though, because Derek, they always say in baseball there's no such thing as the five-run home run. In UFC, Derek Lewis has got the five-run home run. Like, n- no lead is out of reach with him. He's got that fight-changing power, and I think getting him at that kind of money in his hometown, uh, I, I think there's a lot to it. Yeah, and oh, that's interesting, the hometown. And to me, if you're playing an almost three to one underdog, you gotta figure out how it's not gonna go to script. Because script is the guy the big underdog loses. If you've got a high variance opponent that has those crazy punches, power, that's what you want with the big underdog, right? So it all makes sense to me. We got double endorsement there from Jonas. We are straight out of Vegas. Let's talk Team USA gold medal round tonight against France. Yeah, it's a 10.30 Eastern time tip. It is the gold medal USA and France. And for that, we've got a best bet from R.J. Bell. And I gave this yesterday. The line, if anything, is drifted upwards, plus 12.5 on France, or you can even get 13s out there. Take the best number. I like France. It's pretty simple. France played against Team USA in the first game of Team USA's Olympic run. And France won. Now, AJ, you did the work. You looked in the box score. The key scores for Team USA shot poorly. We could say, hey, that's going to turn around. That's random. It's one thing if you are a 13-point underdog and you won the last time you played the team. You don't see that very often. But maybe it was random. Or maybe because of the Olympic rules being different and because Gobert, France's big man, is such a great defender for the Jazz, it often allows the defense for Gobert's team to go out and crowd the shooters more because he's got the middle covered. If it was just a fluke and Team USA is as good as we think they are, as many think they are, then we got a 50-50 bet. Now, if you have to lay 110, you don't want a 50-50 bet. But I think at least half the time we got better than that. I think there's a reason schematically France did so well. In those times, we got much better than a 50% bet. Thus, you blend them together because we don't know. If we knew, I wouldn't be on radio. I'd be living up in the clouds somewhere. We don't always know exactly. But you can estimate the chances. And I think there's a real good chance that France has a matchup advantage. And you know what? Having Gobert takes away some of the mystique. If you play back in 92 with the Dream Team, Magic, it was like they're taking pictures with them, right, on the court. They're not thinking they can beat them. Gobert battles these guys all the time, and he's the spiritual leader of this team. I think psychologically, the fact they won the first time, and they got Gobert, and we're getting 13, 
Listen, green over even red, white, and blue. Well, if it's a basketball game, not if it's serious. <laughs> we're going to take France. you got 20 seconds. What do you think, AJ? It sounds like a good handicap to me. I thought the number was, was pretty wild considering the Australia number, and I thought France was power rated higher than Australia, so I think you are getting some value with France. Yeah, that line was 12 and a half or 12 in Australia. So, hey, I thought this was a great week. AJ is a staple. And Jonas, this isn't his priority now that he's big time, <laughs> but he's still doing a good job. And if you missed any of today's show including multiple best bets as you get ready for the weekend check out the podcast at foxsportsradio.com we're back monday 6 p.m eastern time right here on fsr right out of Vegas! Vegas!